This is Hubwonk. I'm your host, Joe Salvaggi. Welcome to Hubwonk, a podcast of Pioneer Institute, a think tank in Boston. A recurring theme for Pioneer Institute's healthcare research is that the best way to reduce costs is to offer consumers price transparency. Unfortunately, U.S. healthcare primarily revolves around large hospital-centric systems with Byzantine pricing schemes and layers of conflicts of interest. Might there be a better model that moves the patient's primary doctors from the hospital into a virtual setting? Could an online independent medical practice offer better direct access while also being free to provide unconflicted referrals to medical facilities where needed? How can technology be used not merely to automate current medical procedures, but to fundamentally transform how we organize our healthcare system. My guests today are Dr. Jeff Greenberg, primary care physician and co-founder of Firefly Health, and Faye Rotenberg, president of Firefly Health. Their firm offers a virtual care model that promises to deliver comprehensive primary healthcare that is faster, less costly, and more integrated by providing an online medical practice that connects consumers to healthcare facilities for in-person procedures based on value and convenience. Our guests will share how their clients experience their healthcare and explain how this innovative model could offer positive disruption for cost and access in the US healthcare system. When we return, we'll be joined by Dr. Jeff Greenberg and Faye Rotenberg of Firefly Health. Okay, we're back. This is Hubwonk. This is Joe Salvaggi, your host. I'm now joined by Faye Rotenberg, president of Firefly Health, and Dr. Jeff Greenberg, primary care physician and co-founder of Firefly Health. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Thanks Jeff. Thanks for having us. Well, let's, let's get started at the beginning and, and tell our audience a little bit about Firefly. Let's set the table. Let's uh, talk about the model. Take us through the experience of how a client uh, experiences Firefly, uh, and if you can, Tell us why, as a, as a consumer, as a healthcare consumer, I might prefer your model to uh, what's out there now. Absolutely. So Firefly Health is a virtual-first primary care, behavioral health, and specialty care service. We provide on-demand access to a care team that knows you really well and helps you manage chronic conditions and navigate the health system when you need it. At Firefly, we offer crazy convenient and effective care across the medical spectrum, and we're not just your primary care. We also serve your behavioral health, specialty needs as part of a seamless, continuous technology-enabled service. I was going to say, we also have a large network of exam rooms within urgent care centers across our service area. And this allows us to fast track our members in for physician procedures and diagnostic tests almost as conveniently as our virtual care. Okay. So I hear um, uh, speed. I hear efficiency. Um, as a consumer, is that really my value? I, I prefer you because I have more immediate access to the, the care I need? So it's access, it's responsiveness, it's continuous proactive care. Uh, when you sign up with us, you get a whole team. So you get a primary care doctor, you get a nurse practitioner, a health coach, and a licensed clinical therapist backed by a psychiatrist. So in many ways, we're offering everything that people value about their traditional primary care, close ongoing relationships with the best doctors and clinicians, with the best of what new digital services are able to offer in terms of ease of use, convenience, and responsiveness. 
You know, it used to be so annoying to see my doctor, even though I really liked him. I go one time a year, every couple of years, had routine exams, and that was it. There was no follow-up, maybe a prescription, but they didn't know me. Uh, I'd take four hours of my day to wait in the waiting room and then leave, maybe see them again next year. It was too much work for the doctor to see me enough times to actually know me. So they didn't. And that is a core difference for Firefly is that we're always there with you and we really do know you and follow up. This, this model, I'm sure, is appealing to those, who, those of us who don't like spending four hours in a big hospital. It's a mysterious process and we, as you say, uh, don't spend much time with our doctor when we ultimately do get to see them. So this sounds very appealing, but I want to bring Jeff in here. As a primary care physician, uh, surely you believe in the value of um, a live visit versus a virtual visit. To, uh, reassure me that uh, uh, this virtual experience is as good as visiting you in your office. Yeah, Joe, you know, the, the traditional primary care model, um, you know, really dates back to a time when medicine is very different from what it is now. Uh, hospitals in our current system really grew up when most of healthcare were acute issues, right? Think back to tuberculosis, frequent heart attacks, when causes of death were, uh, you know, maternal mortality and infectious disease. And what's happened over the last <clears throat> several decades is that we now treat those acute things and most of healthcare is influenced by behavior. We now need to prevent a lot of disease. We prevent heart disease, we prevent cancer, we manage chronic diseases over time and it requires um, you know, attention to things like taking your medications regularly and getting screening tests and, um, you know, and, and losing weight and, and things, that, things of that sort. So, you know, gone are the days where going to see your doctor in person when you're sick is really what matters most. That's important. But what matters more is a continuous relationship um, and help in changing behaviors, monitoring disease, and um, promoting health and wellness. Um, so what we find is that our patients engage with us frequently, you know, 25% each week, 60% each month um, through low touch means. It might be a text message through our app, but it allows us to help patients um, manage their health, manage their wellness, manage their behavioral health over time. Um, you can't change behaviors and manage chronic diseases by showing up at your doctor once a year or once every six months. It requires ongoing support. Um, and that's what our model is built to do. That, 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 you make a very good point. Um, it's a process. Um, it's not you know, just one moment in, in the course of a year that, that is required to keep people healthy. Um, is part of your value proposition the fact that you don't have a, a large hospital to run? Uh, is there efficiency there? And if so, if there's efficiency uh, and cost efficiency, are you saving money? And I'll follow that up a little bit more and say, if you are saving money, uh, where does the consumer see that savings? Do they get a, a lower rate on their uh, insurance? Um, how does that work? Yeah, great question. And, and, and a, a, a few things to unpack there. So first, we are independent and we are not part of a big hospital system. And as many of your, you know, many of your listeners will know, um, over the past 10 or 20 years, many primary care groups have been bought up by bigger specialty groups and by hospitals. And what they're used for is really lead generation to bring patients into that hospital, um, into the operating rooms, into the procedure rooms for lucrative, you know, revenue generating procedures, surgeries, admissions. Um, 
what we see as our role is instead to keep patients healthy. And we are not owned by a hospital. We are not driven to fill up a hospital. So it's in our interest, number one, to avoid hospitalizations, to avoid ER visits. And when patients need specialist diagnostics or procedures or admissions, to find those providers who deliver the most value, which means a great experience for our patients, high quality care at a lower cost. Listen, there are times when a patient will need to go to the best hospitals, right? When they need to go to Brigham and Women's or another you know, academic center of which there are several in Boston. Um, but there's many times when people don't need to go to those hospitals, would be fine at a community hospital and get equally good care um, closer to home and with more convenience. And being independent allows us to make those choices with no uh, bias. Um, our only bias is delivering high value for our patients. So by not being owned and being part of a hospital system, we think we can deliver much higher value care to our patients. Um, in terms of, you know, you, you asked about prices and price transparency. Um, you know, we can save a lot of money by directing patients to um, lower cost providers when it's safe to do so, which is much of the time. Um, and, and so that is a huge part of our value proposition is to develop that curated net network of specialists, of labs, of imaging, of hospitals, so that our patients um, can be navigated to high value providers. And, that, and also picking, picking up on that briefly, um, uh, Joe, you also asked about how we're, we're getting savings. And you know, part of our mission is to actually provide care that is half the cost, but twice as good as anything Americans have come to expect. And we don't want those savings to only be realized by insurance providers or self-insured employers. We're working with partners to build benefit designs. So individual members are actually realizing those savings too. You know, we're starting doing that through, you know, elimination of co-pays. Where, we're at, where we want to be going is building in payment mechanisms, for example, through an HRA, so that individual members can actually realize, um, realize the results and, and the profits from their decisions. That, I, I, I want to bring that to, um, uh, we recently at Pioneer released a research paper talking about uh, the value and the importance of price transparency for consumers. In other words, give the consumer uh, the information they need to make wise choices uh, for the, the, the care, the referral care they're given. So I, I really enjoy hearing there's no conflicts of interest because uh, you're not a hospital and you don't own all these uh, places that you're referring to. Uh, but are you able to offer uh, price transparency when, let's say, I perhaps need a new hip, uh, you can say, well, you can go across town and get it for $10,000 or you can go um, to another town and get it for $5,000. How does, yeah. are, you, are you able to do that? Yeah. And, and you know, I, I appreciated the, the piece that, that you published here. Um, and we agree with much of it that price should be one of several features in choosing whom to refer patients to. And right now, there is not transparency, and they're often hidden from consumers. Um, you know, one of the pieces that I think the paper misses is a really key ingredient, which is the ability to turn savings into profit. You know, liquidity of information and transparency without alignment of incentive is far less likely to garner meaningful results. And what we're working to do is to create both. 
So one thing Firefly does in the meantime is use convenience in lieu of incentive alignment. So by direct booking patients to close by urgent cares with no wait times or send an EMT to the home, members are more likely to choose those lower cost options because they're more convenient. I see. So um, you, you want quick just as much as you want cheaper. And perhaps if we're all uh, enjoying um, insurance and don't feel the pain of the cost directly, we do certainly feel the pain of the delay. Is that what you're saying? It is. And I think that's the first step. Um, you know, we want to get to a point where we can actually, you know, you, you are actually going to see the profit too. But before we can get there, you know, we're using conven- the, the convenience curve. Yeah, there's, there, there's a number of things to unpack there, Joe. I mean, we, we certainly believe in the power of price transparency. Um, first, as Faye mentioned, the, the savings has to flow back to the consumer for it to mean anything. Um, otherwise, people say, well, I'm already paying so much out of my monthly paycheck to insurance. I want to use it. Get that expensive MRI. I'm paying for it, right? We hear that all the time. So if it doesn't flow back to individuals, um, there's just very little incentive for them to really focus on price. The second thing is the price, you know, the price has to be visible. And right now, many prices are considered trade secrets between payers and providers, um, which I disagree with. I think many of us disagree with. Um, you know, we are in favor of a market where price is one of many features that you can evaluate when making a decision. We do think that a, a service such as Firefly becomes very important, right? So patients will not always know when it is important to spend more on something and when they can spend less. Um, is if one hospital costs more than another, is it based on true data? Is it actually going to get them a better result? Is it going to matter? Um, and so we see ourselves as, as able to help patients with those kinds of decisions and ultimately to be able to curate networks of folks that we think are high value, right? That for the price they charge are delivering great care and great service. Right. One of the uh, points made in the Pioneer piece is there's very little correlation between price and quality. So in many cases, that's true. Right. Great point. Now, we've made it this far in our, our conversation talking about health and not mentioning the C word, that is COVID-19. Mm-hmm. We had an um, a earlier Hubwonk uh, episode on telehealth, and uh, there's broad trends towards more use of telehealth. I consider this a uh, classic uh, telehealth kind of conversation. Uh, has COVID and uh, all the attending uh, changes in society and our demand for health care has that been a tailwind for, uh, for Firefly Health? Yeah, it, it certainly has. Certainly more and more people are turning to, health, turning to telehealth and realizing that they can get excellent care through telehealth. Um, it has certainly led to growth in our membership and opportunities to help many of our local employers and regional employers get their employees back to work, which is a big service that we're offering now. What we would say is, yes, there's been more interest in telehealth. What we're often seeing is really video visits bolted on to the traditional system, which is fine, but you still have a system that, in our view, is, is pretty dysfunctional for many of the reasons we've discussed, heavily based on in-person, you know, heavily based on episodic care that happens infrequently. Um, so at least it's good that you now don't have to, you know, expose yourself to risk and go into clinics and, you know, take time out of your day. But we haven't seen the system transformed as we think it should be, really to a more continuous model um, where we are proactive, outreaching to patients, developing personalized care plans um, together, and helping patients realize their individual goals in a continuous manner. That, 
you know, that is something that we offer at Firefly that I don't think COVID has, has, has made happen or made universal. So, Faye, help me understand uh, more about this. If you are indeed a holistic approach to healthcare, and most, if not all, of the thinking surrounding my overall health is done virtually, how does that connect with actual examinations in a doctor's office? Yeah, so we find that the vast majority of care can be done virtually. At times, an exam is needed if you have abdomen pain and you need to have somebody, you know, palpate your abdomen, we can send you to an urgent care. We can send a point of care test to the home. In these cases, we'll work with partners. But the core tenet here is that we're unbundling, I would say, the brains and the hands. And that the idea that the brains that follow your care has to be attached to the hands that touch your body is an obsolete notion. What's important is that the same brain is with you the entire time and that the hands that touch you are competent. So with Firefly, you have clinical brain and your clinical team with you all the time. Even if you're going into an urgent care center and someone else is touching you, we're there following you. And I would just add that, you know, one of the pluses of virtual care and the way in the way Firefly does it with the ease of access and with the ability to send text messages through our app is that it is so easy for us to follow you over time and make sure things are moving in the right direction. Um, You can send us a quick message a few days later or we follow up proactively and say, hey, are you getting better? Is that improving? In a way that is so much easier to do than in a traditional practice where you're often playing phone tag um, over days to just make, you know, ask a simple question. Very, very good point. Do you see this being a model that we can roll out uh, and in 25 years, uh, it's going to be rare to have a, a, a primary care person in a hospital that we have to visit episodically, as you say? Yeah, we think it will be very disruptive, um, especially as we get scale and volume and and some market power, if you will. Um, As we talked about, um, so much of healthcare is dominated by large hospital systems that have gotten bigger and bigger. And what we offer is the ability to navigate patients to high value providers around the region or even around the country. So there's very little stopping us from developing, and we're doing this, developing partnerships with national, you know, national healthcare brands that can deliver, you know, whether it's cancer or diabetes advice um, around the country so that you are not locked into your regional monopolistic large center. Um, So as we get bigger and as we're able to do that, we think this is disruptive um, in that it will route patients to the right level of care that they should be getting. Right now, large hospitals, um, many of which are tertiary care centers, right? They're built to do, you know, expensive, advanced, cutting-edge procedures, surgeries, et cetera, bone marrow transplants, heart surgeries, what have you. But a lot of the care they deliver is really secondary care that could be delivered at a community hospital. And so what they're doing is using their ability to do incredibly advanced um, care to deliver incredibly advanced care to raise prices, not only for that care, but for everything. And so if we are able to help patients navigate more effectively and get secondary level care at secondary community hospitals and only tertiary care, tertiary hospitals, that will be disruptive. And it will force those hospitals to really rationalize the prices they charge and the level of care they're delivering. Yeah. And to follow up on that, you know, I think the elephant in the room in healthcare cost discussion is that monopolies around hospitals are the long pole in the tent. 
everything that can be done to keep expensive medical centers focused on the work that only they can do and to wick the rest away to cheaper points of care is the current absolute battle line of healthcare improvement. And Firefly is doing this, as Jeff, as Jeff described. Well, uh, good. So you've, you laid down the, uh, the uh, gauntlet here, I guess. Um, uh, so what do you see as constraints for your disruptive model? Uh, certainly, uh, hospitals may see the writing on the wall, that technology will, will, will challenge these monopolies, these regional monopolies. Um, what kind of regulatory constraints are, are standing in your way? Yeah, you know, um, in that sense, COVID has helped. Um, the, the main regulatory constraint is right now, you know, medical licensing um, is still very, is, is state-based, right? So if I'm a licensed provider in Massachusetts, I can't just go practice in Nebraska or California. Um, you know, so, so we're busy at Firefly getting our clinicians licensed in numerous states so we can do this. Um, but that, that is one barrier. Another barrier has been just acceptance of telehealth, not only by consumers and patients, um, but by payers and governmental agencies that regulate it. Fortunately, with COVID, I think many more people have seen the value of telehealth, and so there's now more parity in payment for telehealth. Um, regulations around whether you can do certain things over telehealth, deliver care over video or phone, have, um, have really receded um, so that we can do most care using our, obviously, our professional judgment of what's safe and what's not. Um, but there's very little else beyond that safety and professional judgment that's dictating whether we can deliver care over telehealth. Um, so I would say now the state line issue is, is, is a barrier. Um, it would be nice if states could get together and realize that a doctor licensed in one state really ought to be able to practice in another. Um, but, you know, states make a lot of money issuing licenses, so I'm not holding my breath there. Who would be opposed to this model other than the incumbent uh, hospitals? Uh, are there those who say... Uh, virtual care is not real care, or um, uh, where, where in the medical community you're coming at this, Jeff, as a primary care physician, uh, does the medical community open uh, welcome this innovation with open arms? You know, Joe, I've really seen very little opposition to this. Most fellow physicians that I speak with we all understand how broken the current model is. We've all been practicing in traditional clinics. You know, the, the, the prior practice I used to work in before starting Firefly was, a, was by most, most definitions an advanced practice. It was a patient-centered medical home, you know, level three certified, which is a, you know, a, a designation that practices can get for having extra services and, and being very conscientious in many uh, sort of uh, strict ways. Um, but we still saw that we, you know, we, we would see many patients who had taken time out of their days to come see us when we really didn't need to examine them, um, and that there was no rationale to who came in and who didn't. And it was very hard to connect with people outside of the, the clinic, outside of seeing someone in person. No one answers their phones these days. So I think everyone sees the, um, the failure of the current system. Um, and I think what has stopped this kind of model from taking off is, is a couple things. One is just inertia. Um, payers are very large. There are systems that are built to just work the way they do. It is not easy to change rules around payment, reimbursement, scheduling. You'd be surprised at just how big providers um, that have to answer to all sorts of physicians, all sorts of needs, and big payers struggle to change um, the way they do things. 
um, because again, healthcare is delivered by large institutions, increasingly large hospital-dominated systems, increasingly large payers, and they don't move very fast. Um, so, so that is really, um, you know, I, I think inertia is is a, is a huge piece of it. What about the, uh, you know, our fundamentally insurance-focused or driven uh, payment system? Are insurance providers interested in the savings you offer or the uh, disintermediation of the whole system? Are, are they um, glad to see you acting as an agent of, of a more efficient market and, and connecting your patients with lower cost alternatives? Or, or do you see them colluding with the, the incumbents and saying, look, let's, let's keep the gravy train rolling? <laughs> you know, this is, that's an interesting question. Um, I think in general, what we, what we would say, um, and Faye, feel free to jump in here, is that payers um, have absolutely see the value of this. Um, many, um, many jump to become patients of ours, um, and many are you know, very interested in working with us. Um, again, the barriers tend to be, um, it just takes them a while to change. Um, and you know, when a small practice comes along and says, we're going to do things differently, they have to decide if they're going to try to turn the Titanic around for, you know, a small emerging practice. And as we've gotten bigger, as we've established ourselves, as we've gotten more great reviews and press, um, they are increasingly developing, um, models, uh, to promote us and, and alter their reimbursement models. Um, you know, I think in terms of whether they're, you know, tied to incumbents, I think that is, is hard to say, obviously. Um, certainly, as we've gotten outside of Massachusetts, we have seen payers be more willing to disrupt their provider networks than in Massachusetts, I would say. So you men- mentioned Massachusetts a few times in that conversation. Uh, I think it's important to note to our listeners, you are a Massachusetts company. Uh, tell us a little bit about why you chose to build Firefly here in Massachusetts instead of somewhere else. Uh, is this a particularly uh, fertile ground for, for a startup like this? It sounds almost like we're less than ideal uh, given uh, the uh, preferences of our, our state level system. Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I would say yes and no, uh, Joe. Um, you know, yes, in that there are, um, you know, people are accustomed to great healthcare here. You know, I think what's in our favor is that there is quite a bit that we don't know the prices because there is not transparency. What we know is that there is great disparity in the prices that, that, that payers pay for healthcare, which gives us the opportunity to try to work with some of the higher value providers in Massachusetts and take advantage of the fact that we can save money by routing people to higher value, lower priced networks uh, when it's appropriate to do so. Um, right. If, if all of the providers, you know, were charging the same, you know, then when we're referring to a cardiologist, there really would be no difference in in that price. So we think there is the opportunity to help people save money, um, uh, you know, in, in healthcare in Massachusetts because of that price, price disparity. The downside is, you know, it is a market that is saturated with excellent healthcare with brand names that are, you know, famous in the region, if not the country and world. Um, and people are often tied to those brands in Massachusetts as well, as we've seen mergers, um, is also typical of many places with a lot of large systems and large systems have ways of trying to keep people in them, right? Through interoperability, you know, my records are with this hospital system. I don't want to leave. It makes it harder for people to go other places. So we struggle a bit with that. 
Um, there are certainly entrenched players here, but it also creates opportunities. And I would also say that in Massachusetts, with our concentration of healthcare providers, Firefly represents a potential inheritor species of the IBN. So if those providers can migrate to Firefly, a far more leveraged platform, they can continue to make the income that supports our tax base and that they're used to, but spread all of their um, clinical energy over many more patients on a, on a platform like Firefly. So it certainly has made um, recruiting incredibly uh, talented clinicians easier in Massachusetts. I see. I see. Yeah, that's a great point. If we can figure out, and we are starting to figure out how to work with some of these big systems, you know, our view is that they are too focused on their local region, right? That these big name hospitals really should be taking care of sick patients all throughout the country. Um, but instead, they're really feeding off of the local region. As Firefly spreads, and we can spread to other states and around the country much more quickly and easily, um, we can leverage some partnerships around here um, so that these um, big named um, excellent hospitals can start to really care for people further afield and leverage their expertise, you know, outside of Route 495. So I'm intrigued. I think our uh, Hubwonk uh, listeners are intrigued. Uh, so let's, um, I'll give you an opportunity to make a uh, plug here. How would uh, a listener who's completely sold on the concept of virtual primary care, uh, how do they reach you? Uh, what, what are their uh, constraints? Do they have to change insurance companies? Do, you know, what goes on? How do we get from where they are to where they would like to be with you? So two ways. First of all, they can go to our website, firefly.health, and download our application. And they can sign up immediately if they have Blue Cross Blue Shield in Massachusetts, Unicare, Harvard Pilgrim, and or if they are with an employer and their employer wants to contract with Firefly directly. And that is where most of our energy is focused, is working with employers so if they do not have any of those three insurance plans, they can speak with us as an employer or talk to their uh, employer about engaging Firefly. All right. Very good. Thank you, Faye, for helping us to understand a little bit more about Firefly Health and where to find you. Uh, thank you, Jeff, very much. Uh, I think our listeners now understand a lot more about the concept of virtual primary care and its promises and its promise to disrupt a very expensive and complex healthcare system. So thank you for being on the show and best of luck to Firefly Health. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, Joe. Pleasure to be with you. This has been an episode of Hubwonk, a podcast of Pioneer Institute, a think tank in Boston. I'm your host, Joe Salvaggi. If you enjoyed today's episode, there are three ways to support us. You can give us a five-star rating, you can offer a review, and you can refer us to your friends. If you have comments for me or suggestions about future episodes, you can reach me at hubwonk at pioneerinstitute.org. Please join us next week for another episode of Hubwonk. <laughs>